0: Welcome to Small Business Sisters, where two sisters who started their own separate businesses come together to share all things business growth and personal growth. Every week they will share practical business tips that they have learned along their journey and share their individual perspectives. So grab a drink and join the sisterhood as we discuss all things womanhood, motherhood, and small business. In today's episode, we have Leslie Alder from Leslie Alderco. And she is one of my real life friends that we talk on Marco Polo all of the time of how we can just do mom life and small business life better. She's just one of those people that is so easy to talk to you about that. And so we brought her on because Leslie and I started a conversation a few months ago when we were just overwhelmed and overtaken by life. And we were talking about how we got into a spot of really never turning off our working brain and our mom brain and wanting to do both. And on today's episode, we really talked through that. And Leslie gives us, gives both of us, but specifically me, Christina, some life coaching skills. And Leslie is a student uh, who is in school to be a life coach. And at the end, you can find out how you can use her free right now as she um, gets, receives her licensing for it. Um, But I hope you enjoy this conversation. And if you are somebody who's easily overwhelmed or just feel like your brain is constantly churning, um, I think you'll find this conversation super helpful. So we hope you enjoy and make sure to look Leslie up at the end of the episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Small Business Sisters. We have Leslie on, who has been on before. We chatted all things about her um kind of minimalism and and photo storage course and how to use photos in your daily life. So make sure to go back and listen to that episode. But we wanted to bring Leslie back on because Leslie and I, we've actually never met in person, but we uh, did some life together last year when we did a course together. And so we just started Marco Poloing. If you don't have the Marco Polo app, you need the Marco Polo app because it's super fun. It's like uh, voicemails basically, but video. And you you can listen to them whenever you have time. Um, but so she and I have become friends really through our like talking on Marco Polo and stories, and like you really get to know people. Um, and we started talking about this one day on Marco Polo, and I was like, we have to talk about this on the podcast because I think so many people will benefit from it, and that is. Women specifically, women. We're going to be talking about women because that's our demographic here. But our workload and how we got to the workload that we have today, and how it's morphed into what it is, and then Leslie and I are just going to chat about like practical steps to kind of work through the the chaotic point that it's gotten to. Well, I'll explain like how we started off. So we were talking about just um, in general how generationally, things have looked different as far as um, women's role in the family and the family dynamic, which we want to preface by saying, like, we realize not all families look the same, um, That that there's not going to be the same counterparts, but really just looking back generationally of how it went from women staying home to women in the workforce to then women trying to do both. And now we're in a point where women are not only trying to do both, but it's just, we have it on our phones where it's just never ending. And so that's kind of how we started is like how we're kind of rebelling against the generations before us. And each generation has done that and how we got to where we are today.
1: Yeah. So this is something that I did not know about. I just assumed. So to give a little bit of a background, I grew up in sort of like a traditional nuclear family. My dad worked. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. I was the oldest of six kids. My mom had always wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, and she had never been in the workplace. She had never wanted to be in the workplace. So that was the model that I had for me. Um, and I just assumed that that's how families always worked, like right now and into you know decades in the past. And so when I got older and you know was just learning things about life, I... for the first time that that's not the way that families interplayed with work as a whole and that actually this idea of being um like just a stay-at-home mom is kind of a new concept and it's not something that was really done um until recently so give you a really quick history lesson rewind back pre-industrial revolution and the home was actually the place of production so as a family Parents, children all work together, either on the farm or from their home, and they would produce like textiles or food or just whatever their skill set was, right? Like you'd have the blacksmith or you'd have, you know, all the different um, trades. And as a family, they would all produce together. Um, and so it was kind of like this. I mean, everyone had different roles, but a balanced contribution from the family. And then, when the Industrial Revolution happened, it sort of pulled people out of the home to produce. So now we have factories to go to and we have these different gathering places and it sort of split the family up, right? So instead of the entire family working together on this one um, item to produce, you could have dad go work over here and sons go work over here and mom might go work over here. And then it got even more complex when we had our world wars in the early 20th century and all the men left. To go to the war. And the women had to come in and fill the men's jobs now that they were gone. And so that just sort of shook everything up again. So the men came home, and there's a really big push, at least in America, for women to go back to the domestic work so that men would have a place to go after the war. Like they'd just gone through this traumatic thing. They need a place to land and they need really clear, like responsibilities or a role to have. And so there was a really big push to send the women home. Go create a nice place at home for your husband to be and let the men take their jobs back. And so that's where we see this strong narrative of like, it's a woman's job to be responsible for the home that we still see today, even though we've been able to swing back and we have a more balanced um, role or expectation of roles for men and women in the workplace. um, This is where it kind of really started to be a really clear, like women, your job is to keep the house clean. And to make the food and to make sure the kids are doing okay. Like we see that happen right after the war. And in some ways, like this model of the separate but equal division of labor, it works really well because it's super specific. Everyone knows exactly what their job is. It's very efficient, right? Very industrial, right? But the problem is, it doesn't really always necessarily work well in families because operating like that. You, you can do it, but it's at the expense of authenticity and connection and relationship mm-hmm. within your family. So things started to not work out. Like for some women and men, that model worked great and they ran with it and passed it on to future generations. And people like my family were still operating under that model. For other people, um, that didn't work. And so women didn't come home or they came home for a little bit and they're like, actually, I want to contribute again in a different way and so they went back to work in a variety of different ways um but the problem was at this point women had already kind of subsumed all the responsibility for the domestic labor and the care work which we refer to now as like invisible labor or um like the free labor that is required within our society that we just don't we undervalue it but it's still so necessary so now women are in this place where they want to be back contributing out in the bigger, greater workplace, whether that means working from home or working in a corporate job. Um, but they're having to balance it with this over what I'm looking for. They have more of the responsibility for the for the invisible labor than in a um, than their spouse might have. right? And so it feels like this impossible task for them that they want to like, quote unquote, have it all right. When, if you, again, if you look back in the history, that was never really a thing. Like there was no point at which women quote unquote had it all, meaning like they had the full-time job and they were the full-time awesome spouse and they were the full-time parent and they were the full-time chef and they were the full-time like housekeeper. Like that never existed. So what we're trying to do now is sort of like this breaking ground that no one has ever done before, and I think we need to be so much more lenient and graceful with ourselves because I think at least what when I started trying to build a business in my head, I was like, "Why is this so hard? Like, I should be able to do this. This isn't that difficult. Like, I'm not like I'm not doing a corporate job. Like, I'm not leaving my house. Like, I should be able to multitask and I should be able to like throw some laundry in and then answer a couple emails and then." help my kid with his scooter. Like I should be able to do this. Why is this so hard? Um, but it's because it's never really been done before. So that understanding kind of where we had come from really helped me give myself more grace when I realized like just this massive thing we're actually undertaking being a Mm -hmm. woman and small business owner in 2022.
0: Well, and I think something, at least for myself and maybe other women in general is I think it all could, Comes down to value. Like we just want to feel valued and seen. And whether we like it or not, motherhood just, you don't get it's going to sound awful, but it's not, it's rewarding. Sure. Especially long-term you can see like how your kids have turned out or, you know, figuring out a stage of life. But the fact is that it's ever changing. And so there's never a point where you're like, yes, I'm doing such a good job. Like there's just not. And so I think a lot of us have turned to, Job. Well, there's a lot of reasons that, especially I just wrote down, like in our current housing market and inflation and all of that. I don't know, especially in the area that I live in. I don't even know that a one-income family could live. You know, like I think that we are at a point where both, both, um, there has to be contribute contributions from both at this point. But then that comes in of like, but I still want to be here for my kids and I want flexibility and I want all this stuff. So then you you find something that you can bring in income, but also be a mom at the same time. And I think that that's where we've kind of been like, yeah, watch us. We're going to do this. And I think this is where Leslie and I were talking about the generation after us, I think is watching us. And if you notice they're having kids later there, or just not wanting kids at all where they're like, no, I'd rather just not do it all and just have a career or whatever, which is, we're, it's just really interesting to watch how each generation of people handle what's happening in the world and how to have a job and how to do that. Because honestly, for me personally, having a job has really empowered me. Again, I needed that outside of motherhood and not everybody does, but that was something I needed. But I do think that you sacrifice something like something's always going to be sacrificed.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, And I, I think, Oh, go ahead.
0: I think for me, it's also been about reframing, um, you know, what gender stereotypes look like or what we put in, um, gender boxes. Like for my husband and I, we kind of like don't fall into the traditional gender roles and like, he is very, he does most of the cooking and the grocery shopping and the laundry and like, he's, that's something he's good at and he has just flowed into and, I've really leaned into working and building my small small business. And I think that's, I think the more in society that we get to a point of like not adding masculine or feminine to all these roles that then Mm -hmm. that can kind of help sort through like each family is going to look a little different. And like, here's the roles we need to do as a family unit and whoever can uh, lean into their strengths. And like you said, Leslie, being au- authentically you and showing up in those ways. And like, maybe it doesn't need to look like this way or this way. And it's all going to kind of meld together.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to plug this book and I didn't know what it was going to fit in the conversation, but after what you just said, Jenny, this is the perfect time. So there's this book called Fair Play by Eve Rodsky. And that's actually exactly what she does Is she? She had she hit a point in her marriage where she really noticed the imbalance of um, the gender roles that they had just kind of walked into from their upbringing, and the division of labor was just not working for them. And so she went through and she like wrote down literally every single thing that was required to make their life function, everything from like who's going to the grocery store to buy the right brand of mayo down to like who's buying the birthday presents for the birthday parties that our child is going to. Down to like who gets up with a child at night when they have nightmares? Like she had done everything to get like a really great global view of everything that's required to create like this home for their family. And then she sat down with her husband and they looked out, like, okay, who's currently responsible for this? And for some of them, like none of them had really claimed responsibility for it, and so it just wasn't really getting done well For other things, like she had kind of taken on more. And she was comfortable with and she was in charge of things that she wasn't really great at and he was in charge of things that he wasn't really great at. And so they just sort of they laid everything out in cards and they redefined everything. not so that it was 50/50. like the idea isn't to have like a perfect split down the middle, but mm-hmm. so it's fair, right? Because some responsibilities take more time and energy than others. Um, but they just had like a really long conversation and they dished everything out and then they reevaluate it every so often. Um, so if you want a model for how to do that within your own family, I read that book last year and it was a game changer. Again, that's fair play by Eve Rodsky. Um, and it's a great framework to give you the tools you need to have that conversation Mm -hmm. to make sure that the ways that you're contributing to your family with that care work and that invisible labor is really maximizing your gifts and your zone of excellence. And it's also maximizing your spouse's gifts and places that they might be more the better able to contribute.
0: Yeah, that's really good. I like that. And I think that just goes along with communication of like being able to say, I can't, I, I wrote down on my notes over here that like throwing COVID in the mix for a lot of people kind of shook shook this up a bit. I know it did for my family of um yeah, hey, I can't I can't do all of this. And, you know, we're going to have to figure this out and I think it did force people to find a new normal and really pushed like for the first time ever I was the one working outside of the home for COVID. Um, Because my shop didn't shut down, whereas Tyler was now working in home, in the house, he still is, um, from his job. And so it was crazy to watch roles reversed. But then kind of exactly what you're saying, Leslie, like it made us sit down and be like, I was the one working outside of the home, but still trying to do everything that I had done beforehand. And it just, it wasn't working. It was, we had to reevaluate and sit down and talk about who was going to do what we've been adjusted, which like some days he would school the kids. Some days I would school the kids. So I think COVID really like forced people to have to come out of their norm in this for sure. But I also think that as you sit down and, and talk about all of the things that you might have under your umbrella, there might be some things that you have to let go. Like there might be some things that are like, okay, I'm not going to make it to, I'm I'm not going to make it to every one of their practices or whatever. That's just not a realistic expectation. So I'm not going to set that expectation and I'm going to be okay when those feelings of like, I'm not doing it all. Yeah, I'm not. And that's okay. Like my there, it's going to be okay. Cause I think that we sit in that a lot of like, we're we're not doing it at all, that it like paralyzes us. And then we can't do anything. I'm going to talk about like proving myself for a bit, because I think that's where, how we got to where we are now is, um, wanting to prove like, no, just like, Two generations ago, they wanted to work outside of the home. Then, last generation, I feel like that's like when the MLMs really started booming of like, I can work from home and be a mom. But then, all of these like Etsy opened and all of these craft places and all these small businesses where you now are trying to run a business out of your home while also maintaining your home life, whatever that looks like. And I think so often we're just trying to prove ourselves. We're just trying to say like, we can do it all. Because I think, and I don't know, I'm not a mom from the 80s. This is all stereotypical and in a box. They, I think that they were so excited to be part of the workforce again that they, not that This is going to come across wrong because not that they didn't care about their kids at all. But I think as kids, we all in the 80s and 90s had a lot more freedom and a lot more uh, less hovering over us. And obviously with more exposure to what's going on in the world, that that can't happen anymore. But I do think that we were we still wanted the power that those women in the eighties have and said like, no, we want to work and bring value into our homes. But we also were like, okay, but our kids need us 24 hours a day to still be that like hovering parent. And so I think, I think that's why the the women coming up after us are like, yeah, no, like, I'm not, I'm not into that. I don't want to be stuck to work 24 seven. Cause I think that's what it's, have you seen that reel? That's like, I left my nine to five because I wanted to work 24 seven. Like I think that's what we've gotten ourselves into. And I don't know how to get out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I had a similar experience. Like I, I never wanted to work at all. Like my plan was just become a mom. It's going to be great. I'm going to live every second of it. And it worked for like the first couple of years after I had my first, um, son, but then I'm like, this isn't working anymore. Like, I need some sort of like external feedback because I'm just at home all day doing this thing. Like I enjoy it, but like I loved school. I did great at school and I was really used to like, you know, you turn in a paper, you get feedback, you get a grade. And like, that was a big part of like how I validated myself to know that like the work I was doing was good. And once that was gone, cause like I, I never had a job, I was never in the, like I had a, you know, like little college job, but I never had like an actual, you know, real life job. And so like even the moms that I was friends with who had left their jobs to come be a stay at home mom for whatever amount of time they could lean back on that. Like, well, yeah, well I'm a registered nurse. And like I used to make this much out in the world. And I, I set that aside because now I'm dedicating myself to this. And I had like this like identity crisis. I'm like, I'm not worth anything. Like no one has ever given me a money value on me. Like, Mm. hello, Leslie, I see your work and I have realized that it is worth $80,000 to our company. Will you please come work for us? Like I'd never had that happen before. And I'm watching my husband get it over and over again because like, he applies for this job and they give him this offer. And then he applies for this job and gives him this offer. And then he like works for that company for a while and gets some experience. And then the next offer is bigger. And I'm just sitting there like, I basically still feel like a teenager because like, yeah, I went to college, but I don't have any work experience. And so I got into starting a small business because I was sort of wanting to prove to myself that like, no, I'm worth something. Like I can contribute something to the greater community that's more than just like what felt like a babysitting job. And again, like mothering is not babysitting, like care work and taking care of children is not the same as mothering. Mothering is a relationship. It's not a role. But also like that was my career at the time, right? Like I had chosen to be a full-time caregiver for my kids for free, an unpaid physician. And so just like that dichotomy was really hard for me. And so, and I needed like an outlet of something else to work on. So that's when I first got into small business because I needed one to like fill my brain and my time, but two, like that, the validation piece wasn't there anymore. So whether or not that's healthy or not, <laughs> I'll be working on in therapy, but... That was a big motivator for me when I started my business,
0: yeah, and when I hear you both talk what i'm I'm just always constantly reminded of that motherhood is always like evolving and changing, and to me, I was just thinking this the other day where it almost feels like this is a terrible analogy for this, but I'm just gonna go with it. It's like the frog in our boiling water where like it just. <laughs> boils him and he doesn't realize that Mm -hmm. and I feel like motherhood is kind of like that in that it's always changing into a new stage but you don't really realize it's happening as Mm -hmm. it's changing because I remember my kids are older now so 16 14 11 whereas I don't I can't pinpoint a time I felt like oh, they're old now and I have myself completely back. Like, I do feel that now, but I just remember being so worked up for so long of in the trenches of motherhood where our young kids, like it is very hands-on, it's very physical, it's draining, whereas now I'm in this new Phase, And I don't really know when I got to this phase, but now I'm here like, oh, did I just miss all of motherhood? Or like, was I not grateful enough for all of these times where then I feel like that adds another weight onto us as women and mothers that then we feel like, oh, my God, did I just waste my whole time trying to work outside the home or do something else for myself? And then I missed this whole Section so I and I don't think I really did, but I think that that's just another voice that comes into play as your kids mm-hmm. are older too. Is did I do it all right? Because I think, like you speaking to you, Christina, of like what we add value to, and then just kind of coming to this end of, I know you don't end your motherhood cycle, but when they leave the nest, then there is mm-hmm. this like, oh gosh, what did I do? Yeah. So like yeah an- I mean, another just weight. Just <laughs> listening to you, I'm like, our minds,
1: like, it's so heavy. Well, I was explicitly told that. Like, I had people in my life tell me, like, don't, don't start working now. Like, wait till they're, at least wait till they're in school. Like, or wait until this, because you're going to regret it. Like, you're going to be so sad sadly missed it. And I'm like, no one's telling my husband that. Like, right. no one's telling my husband, how dare you start your career now when you have a newborn. Like, shouldn't you be at home waiting and, like, enjoying this time with him? Nobody Mm -hmm. tells men that. Right. But we don't see them as, like, less than parents. Mm -hmm. Like, no, they're incredible. Like, they're out there making money and then they come home and take their kids out for ice cream. Like, what a superb dad. Right. They're great. (laughs) That's what I think, too. I don't think they struggle with these same weights of,
0: like, am I a good enough dad Mm -hmm. because I'm not doing everything. I saw on TikTok, this is a while ago. This was probably a year ago. This this woman who owns her own bakery. She's I don't I don't know how old she is, but she has a she was pregnant and then had a newborn. And she said, you know, from seven months to when she had the baby at 10 months, she would go to her wholesaler, she would get all of her bakery things and like huge bags of flour and and eggs and all of these things and just have these big boxes and carry full, like full pregnant, carrying these boxes to her car. And she's like, not once did anybody say anything. No one like, like they just like would stare, kind of stare like, what is she doing? And she said, after she had the baby, her husband went once to get all of the supplies and wore the baby in in an ergo. And she said that he came home and told her how everyone was like, Oh my gosh, look at you. You're doing it all. Like, da da da. And she was like, for four months, I carried this baby um and I say four because she was like visibly showing where people could see and she's like and I would carry these huge boxes to my car for my bakery and not once did anybody say anything it's just like that was what was expected of me and then he shows up one time with the baby in the ergo carries a bag of flour and everyone's like (laughs) how amazing is this and I'm like that's like that that's how it feels whether people mean it or not like that is how it feels is like I'm uh, carrying like the weight of all of this stuff and it feels like nobody notices. But then as soon as either I mess up on something or Tyler does the same thing, it's like, wow, what? Like, that's amazing. Or, or I can't believe you for forgot this or something yeah. like, like I, I, when my kids were little, the people out and about would always comment if they didn't have socks on, which I live in Texas, like they don't (laughs) need socks. But like, that was always like, I remember specific times where I'm like, okay, but I did this, 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 and this, and this to get us out of the house. And I forgot the socks. Like, (laughs) thank you so much for, for rubbing that in
1: yeah there's this there's this great like theoretical scenario that I heard recently that I think perfectly illustrates this double standard. and then I want to talk about like how to drop the plates so we don't get stuck in this. So I have a friend um, on Instagram, her handle is the freckled hand, and her whole platform is just helping mothers redefine um, the motherhood is a relationship and not a role and helping you kind of break out the difference between those so you have a lot of less you have less guilt. Um, but she had this amazing scenario. She's like, okay, say your husband has this job. It was great. It was okay. He wasn't thrilled about it, but then he found a different job and it would mean a 10 K annual pay cut, but he absolutely loves this new job. It was going to like skyrocket him in his career. It's going to be so important to his overall career path and his development. Would you be willing to make the sacrifice to live with less income in order to give your husband this opportunity for his job? And most women would be like, oh yeah, absolutely. Like totally worth it. She's like, okay, now flip it. What if hiring a house cleaner or reliable high quality childcare would be, enable you to give, would give you the time and the emotional space and energy that you needed to show up as the mom and the business owner that you wanna be, would you do it? And most women are like, well, no, like that's, like, that's ridiculous. I can't spend 10K on childcare per year. Like that's excessive, extravagant. Like I'd be spoiling myself if I did that. It's like, no, it's the same circumstance. It's 10K less in your bank accounts every year, just for two different purposes. Like imagine what you'd be able to do with your business or even like as a mom, if you had that extra time and that extra mental space, like it could be huge. Mm -hmm. So like an example like that, where it's like, look, we are willing to do this in like the corporate world all the time. Like when we think about long-term careers or traditional career paths, like, men and women alike, right? Like if mom has a job and like she needs to go in a different direction of her career, which means she's gonna be making less, the whole family is totally willing to chip in and make sacrifices to make it happen. But when it doesn't have a monetary amount attached to it, like if it looks like the invisible care work that we're doing at home, if that makes that aspect of our lives easier, it's a lot harder for us to get behind seeing that as valuable when, it, when really it's, it's equally, if not more so necessary
0: mm mm-hmm. Okay. So you wanted to tell us about how to drop the plates.
1: Yeah. So, and by dropping the plates, I'm, everyone's probably familiar with the analogy of like the spinning plates. Like you have the guy with all the sticks and the plates are spinning the top. And I hear this analogy get used all the time. And I like secretly hate it because <laughs> most of the time when I hear it, it's like a man giving the analogy to like a room full of men and, and they're like, well, when you're at work, just be at work, just spin that work plate. And when you're at home, just be at home, just spin that home plate. And when you're volunteering in the community, just be in that community plate. And I'm like, that might be great for a masculine inclined brain, but like that's <laughs> not the way my brain works. Like yeah. I'm sitting down, like feeding my baby. And then I'm like, oh shoot, I forgot to send that email for my business. So I'm like emailing the business. And then as I'm emailing, I realize like, oh, I never sent in the permission form for my son for like from his teacher. And so I like jump over and do that. So I'm like, that just doesn't, that model doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. So um, first, I would recommend just dropping a lot of those plates and having that conversation to kind of renegotiate the labor division within your family, I think is step one for that. Just so you can really see visually how much you really are taking on, because that can be really validating to realize like, okay, no wonder I feel like I'm drowning. It's for good reason. I'm doing too much. And then like, again, I think COVID was a great test for this. Like we had to drop a lot. Like it got down just to like the bare minimum. And I kept thinking in the middle of COVID, like, wow, like when we rebuild, we need to rebuild intentionally because we've been given this great gift of having everything stripped away except for Mm -hmm. like our families and, you know, like just keeping us alive basically. Right. And so I would, I mean, honestly hopefully we never have to go back to a time like that that's that h- harshly locked down. But think about what mm-hmm. life looked like for you at, at that point mm-hmm. and realize what how much you were able to get away with not doing and you were still totally fine. In fact, you were probably even happier with like a lighter mm-hmm. schedule.
0: Mm-hmm. So I always um, felt guilty saying that because I knew COVID was so damaging for so many people in, in lots of ways. And obviously health or like mental health, all of that was very isolating to people. But I always felt guilty because I like how you're saying, Leslie, like I, I saw it as a major reset.
1: Hmm. Yeah. So, and again, like we don't, we don't want to recreate those scenarios again, but just mm-hmm. like the idea of being able to live with less and still being happy, like looking at your schedule and your kids' schedules and your commitments that you've made to your different community groups. Um, and just kind of centering back on you, on you and your family and to see what is gonna look like health for your family. Because when you're healthy, it's not like, oh, you're just gonna be selfish and like just feed everything into you. When you're healthy, you're able to give back better. Like you're able to show up better in your community, you're able to show up better in your extended family, you're able to show up better in your business, which I mean, the point of your business is to help other people, right? So just being like really clear with what is working for you. And what's not. And another book I want to plug real quick is um, a book called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And he's a psychologist. And he has this concept of different zones. So you have like your zone of incompetence, which is like, you don't know how to do it and you do it poorly. And then you have a zone of competence where you've learned how to do it, but you're not great at it. Then you have your zone of excellence where you're really good at something. And then you have your zone of genius where that's like where your flow is. So like for creative people, it's like making the product or, um, like if you have a more like analytical brain, it's like crunch the numbers, like where you lose track of time, that's your zone of genius. And his suggestion is that you clear out your schedule in a way that you are spending the most amount of your time and effort in your specific zone of genius. And you outsource everything else. A lot of us Mm -hmm. get stuck in the zone of excellence. Like, well, I'm great at like making lunches for my kids and getting dinner at the table and sending out emails or like, You know, playing with my Instagram. Like, I'm really good at those things, but that's not my highest point of contribution. My highest point of contribution is like coaching people about their photos. And so, what and what way can I build my life where I'm outsourcing those things so that I'm not spending my time on those things that I'm good at and I'm competent at, but it's not the best use of my time? It's not in my zone of genius.
0: Or like that. One thing I want to ask you before we plug your coaching that's coming in or coming up is, so we all talked about starting a business because we wanted to like prove ourselves or, or I guess just work any sort of business alongside motherhood. So, cause Leslie is in, are you in school to be a life coach or are you already like set and ready to go?
1: Yeah. I'm currently um, in a certification program right now. I'm about halfway through.
0: To be a life coach, so pull out your life coaching skills because you've helped me before. But um, what what do you think we can tell ourselves? Like, what's something practical? Like, maybe a statement or question that we can ask ourselves when we feel that need to prove ourselves.
1: Yeah. So oh, there's so much I could say about this. I'm trying to figure out what would be like the most concise, powerful <laughs> sure. thing here. Um, so the reason we do anything is because we want to feel something, right? So if we think that, like, if I believe I'm a good mom, then I think that I'm going to feel fulfilled, right? And so a lot of us, the way we operate in life is we go around like spinning in all these actions, like doing all the things that we think we're going to need to do in order to believe I'm a good mom so that I can feel fulfilled. But in reality, it doesn't happen in that order. In reality, it's your thought that comes first. It's believing I'm a good mom. And truly believing I'm a good mom, that creates the feeling of fulfillment. And when you're feeling fulfilled, what sort of actions do you take? Like awesome actions, right? Like right. you're out there, you're showing up as the mom you want to be. You're not resentful of your kids. You're not resentful of your spouse. Like your energy, because you're feeling fulfilled, you're dividing your energy in a way that aligns with you. You're able to show up as a business owner in the way you want to show up. Like that thought line is everything, Right. But if you're doing it the opposite, if you're like, no, no, like I can't, I can't believe I'm a good mom until I've I've done this, this, and this, then I can believe I'm a good mom. Well, then you're going to be like operating from scarcity. Like, no, I need to do this. I need to figure this out now so that I can give myself permission to believe that I'm a good mom so that I can feel fulfilled. When yes. in reality, you should be starting with a thought line. So the trick is we've been, we're very practiced at the thoughts that we currently have and the beliefs that we currently have about ourselves. So it's really difficult just to like thought swap, right? You can't just be like, thinking I'm a horrible mom, I'm a horrible mom. And then the next day be like, I'm a great mom. So you can kind of find like these little ladder steps, um, to kind of shift your way over there. That feels believable and it feels, um, attainable to you. So if your current thought is, um, I'm trying to figure out how to like wrap this into the business side. Like the current side thought is I am terrible at dividing my time between motherhood and business. The next ladder thought could be like, "I am a mom, am I, and I'm a business owner." Like that feels true. Mm-hmm. It feels a little less threatening than like, "I'm terrible at both of these things, right? But it mm-hmm. still feels true. You don't want to jump to a thought that feels like, "Oh yeah, like I could never believe that." So just just focus on the thought. Every time you hear yourself seem like, "Oh, I'm so bad at, at splitting my time up." redirect yourself to, "I'm a mom," and I'm a business owner." And once that feels believable, Cause like, how does that thought feel for you guys when you think I'm a mom and I'm a business owner?
0: Yeah, yeah I, I love that because that helps me. That's what I do a lot with my anxiety too, is tell myself like simple facts about it before I can spin <laughs> out. And so that it—that like telling myself, here are the two facts. I'm a mom and a business owner and really not adding anything else to that. Not adding any emotion or anything to that feels really good.
1: Yeah. What about you, Christina? When you think I'm a mom yeah. and I'm a businessman.
0: Yeah, I think that's super factual. But in my head, I'm thinking right now, and some days I don't want to be either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: and it, it just feels like it feels like more of a blank slate, right?
0: Mm. As opposed uh-huh. to like just
1: starting with this negative trend of like, I'm terrible at both things that I'm trying right now. Just mm. moving it up from negative to more of a neutral line of just neutral, this yes. Is, this is what I'm choosing to be right now. And once that feels like true. And once that feels like your new normal, then you can bump it up to like, like just like ask yourself questions. Like in what ways was I an amazing mom today? Or in what ways was I an awesome business owner today? And just get curious because our brains are literally designed to look for the negative to keep us alive. Like it's great. It's worked super well, right? Our (laughs) brains are like, we got to avoid pain. We got to seek pleasure and we got to conserve energy. So it's just constantly scanning the world to filter our world into those three things. It's not the greatest at looking for things we're doing well, because that's not relevant to our survival. So I like the concept that my coach teaches me of equal airtime. So your brain's going to feed you tons of evidence for why things are going horribly wrong. You just need to match it with equal airtime with the way that the things are going right. So every time your brain points out to you like, oh you were late to pick up the kids again today, <laughs> like me every day of my life. My kids are always <laughs> like, mom, why are you late again? Like, oh no, no. Okay. Um, every time my brain points out to me, see you were late again. And I'm like, yeah. And I showed up <laughs> like I I picked up. <laughs> or like, and I had a snack for them in the car, which I usually don't. Or, and I got so much done in my business today. So just like trying to balance out 50 50 might feel like a stretch at first, but try to work towards Every time your brain offers you this negative lens of like what went wrong, just counterbalance it with like, yeah, and all these things went right today, too. Yeah, I like Mm
0: -hmm. that. That's really helpful and practical, I think, that you can start doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. so good. So, how can you do you know an approximate time of when you're going to be ready to like and licensed to to be a coach, life coach?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, in October 2022, I will officially be certified. Um, But until then, if you want some free coaching services, I need hours um, and just coaching as many people as I can about any topic. Doesn't have to be about business, doesn't have to be about motherhood. We can talk about anything. Um, I just need practice. So if you're interested in getting more um thought tips or just like a third-party neutral observer to what's going on in your brain, I would mm-hmm. love to show you your brain.
0: Yeah, she's I been helping that. me with <laughs> some some third party um, Stuff on my end, but we will give at, at the beginning of this episode. Leslie, I'll tell everybody your handle and how to find you. But we really appreciate you coming on because it's just when we had this conversation originally, I don't even remember how it started. I think it was one of us being like, Why do I have to do all of the things? Like, this is <laughs> so hard and I'm dropping the ball and like all of that. And so I just remember it being a really good conversation. And I'm glad we could move it to this platform and hopefully. It'll help other people too because we never want anybody to do small business alone. So thank you for coming on, Leslie. We appreciate it. Thanks, Leslie. Yeah.
1: Thanks so much for having me on. I love talking <laughs> with you ladies. <laughs> Join in the conversation
0: by following us on Instagram at, at underscore small business sisters. Make sure to introduce yourselves because we love to follow and support other small businesses. And if you love the podcast, we would absolutely be so grateful if you subscribe and leave us a review. Every positive review helps other small business owners to find us. Remember,
1: don't do life alone. We're better together.